0: this girl had had dumped me pretty hard when I was in college and so it was during I remember literally in the same week this girl dumped me the my truck got uh I don't know pretty much wrecked like just the mirror got got wrecked off but so my my truck got wrecked my girlfriend dumped me, and my, my dog that I like, grew no! up with died no! in the same week. So if ever dude. there was a time in my life that could have made a pretty good country song, it would have <laughs> been
1: that week, dude. That is literally a yeah. country song.
2: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been from its origins in space and time and put them internally at your disposal
0: Dude, I have some topics unless you guys were really wanting to to
2: talk no Rob, your that's topics, good
1: everyone knows Rob's topics are the best All everyone right.
2: listening it. right now is like oh good Rob has something to talk about Woo, but first easy. real quick yeah I did I do feel like we owed uh, Mr. Patrick McCormick, a shout out last week that we didn't give no him. No doubt, dude. Yeah. Pat. Yeah. Uh, thank you. For having us on his relevant radio show on the front porch. You can check it out on Facebook or relevant radio's website. But I thought the coolest thing, I don't know about you guys, was that he, you know, his brother passed away a few weeks ago. And we were actually in the studio with him the weekend after mm-hmm. his brother's funeral. And he mentioned that he had gotten his brother into listening to Three Dogs North. While he was in hospice. That's right. Yeah. So we got another patron saint going.
1: Yeah, that's very real. That is super true. I don't, uh, I don't remember his name, but... Uh, Johnny.
2: Johnny McCormick, that's
1: right. Johnny McCormick. So we have a number of saints that are piling up in our defense up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the more the merrier.
2: Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing?
0: I was at my sister's uh, this past weekend for my nephew's birthday party, which was awesome. And then it was I think it was Saturday sometime. I was playing uh, trucks and farm equipment and stuff with my nephew, John, um, in his room. And we were just like chatting, you know, I don't know, doing farm work with his toys. And um, and then he 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 like started telling me he was like, yeah, I got to go get a flu shot later. He's kind of to that point where. You know, we were putting out some deer stands another time on Saturday and he was out with us and he was like, ah, I got to go to work. I got to go to work, you know, at the construction site. And anyway, so he's like, I'm like, John, you have to get a flu shot. What? What are you talking about, man? And He was like, yeah, I got to go to flu shot. So he's probably heard my sister talking about it or something. But um and then he started talking about how he didn't really want to um, go get a flu shot because shots hurt. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, so I was just I don't know kind of listening to him and anyway so he kept talking and he, then he was uh he was like yeah and i really want to be brave like i don't want to cry during the shot and i was like well you know it's okay to cry and um i was like why do you why do you say that and he was like well i don't want to i don't want to make the other kids they're scared i don't want to make them cry and huh. then he looked at me and he was like how do i be brave and I, it, it like hit me man Whoa.
1: and another thing
0: OK, so just to give maybe the little more of the context for the story, I pretty much said it, honestly, there was um, like my little he just turned four, my nephew, John. And um, yeah, we were just hanging out and he had, I mean, he's gotten shots. He had to have uh, he had to have a surgery like a year ago. He had a bug bite that turned into a little like, um, I don't know, thing on his face that he had to they had to have taken taken off and. So I think he remembered he was talking about that a little bit in the story of like, he was really scared when that happened. like he wanted his dad to be with him, but the doctors had to take him. Um, and so it was just, as, again, it was like very random how it came up, because him and I were just playing trucks, I mean, just hanging out, um, And he was like, "Oh, I gotta go get my flu shot, you know, And so just started asking him about that. And anyway, it went there, but it was it was very clear that he had remembered that surgery that he had and being very scared in it and he remembered like his dad coming back and my brother-in-law getting him like as soon as he could and the whole experience uh of it but he also had this you know even at four years old this experience of um and he's got two little sisters now even though he's only four and so this experience of like he wants to be brave and so at some point like he got in his mind and he was gonna have to go get a flu shot or something and he didn't, whenever the next shot he got was, he wanted to be brave. He didn't want to cry. And and so that, but what really, so that's the context of it for a little bit, but really hit me. I mean, he just looked right at me. And he was like, how do I be brave? And so what initially came to my mind in it, because um, that's a, this is a profoundly good question, um was just i just told him i was like well just remember that you're never alone and that was the answer i gave him um and hopefully because it was it was just like in this context of you know even in that surgery i think you know was pretty apparent he was remembering you know my his family was right there with him and like except literally like for the surgery when the doctors had to be in the room with him like my brother-in-law was with him the whole time and so it was a cool like even experience of that of hearing about that and how much like just his dad means to him, and how safe he feels with his dad and um and my sister as well and his and his mom but um but that was just immediately what came to mind was just tell him like he's never alone, and hopefully that'll grow into something to where you know as he matures in his face through the years, like he realizes more and more that he's never gonna be alone, even when it seems like we are. Like, we talk about this relationship with Christ that he's always with us. And that was the best answer I could think to give him, you know, on the top of – just off the top of my head like that. And that's just – it's so true because when you're not alone, you can bear anything. And you know that you're not alone. Um, Nothing's really that scary. And I I find that even – honestly – Take an I mean, think of an example from my life, uh, even deer hunting, like when you walk into dark woods, it always it still freaks me out, like and I've deer hunted for a long time, uh, but there's still something about going into dark woods to get to the stand in the morning that's very intimidating. And I notice that and it's just kind of like an act of the will, like you got to do it, you know, one step at a time type thing to get there. But I noticed that, yeah, if I'm ever hunting with someone, my dad or my brother, or even like my mom or my sister or whoever, um, just the presence of someone else there with me honestly takes the fear away in a, in a very tangible way. Um, so there's some stuff to unpack there. Uh, but that was just kind of my like brief reflection on it thus far. That just happened last Saturday, I guess.
1: Well, I can certainly relate to the story in and of itself because I can remember being young and like all of our siblings would go in together to get shots and we would basically get like the round all together and we were all terrified. And so my mom would have to bribe us <laughs> like money or video games because we would just kind of run away. Um, so yeah, man, as a little kid getting shots, you're getting needles shoved in your arm. Yeah you know, it's really uncomfortable and really painful. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, and of course the idea of being with others as, uh, the source of strength, especially, and you can see it even in that story, like it, having his dad there was that source of strength with him. Um, and so it's, but it's tough to conceptualize, obviously as a four year old, like the father's always with me, but it also right. may be easier for a four year old to understand that the father's always with me. Um, and always looking at him and always there with him, Um, yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of my immediate feelings and thoughts was the memory of me at the hospital and my mom bribing us. (laughs) Did they give you guys like a discount for, (laughs) I I don't know. They should have, I
2: hated shots. I really did. (laughs) I really hated them. Yeah. I still hate shots. You know, it's funny that we're talking about this. Um, it makes me think that of the Joseph Pieper thing with the virtue of fortitude, uh, how the only only we can be brave, like angels can't be brave because they can't be hurt. And because human beings are vulnerable means that we can have this extra virtue because we can risk being hurt. Um, like in the face of. In the face of harm or potential harm, we can say, no. This thing is good enough that i'll do it anyway despite the risk or even guarantee of of harm or even death like the martyrs but uh geez dude that's hard i remember father o'malley my spiritual director for five years in the seminary he was pretty old and getting sick and turned out later after he died that it appeared that he'd been pretty sick and he was not really telling anybody um just kind of silently suffering And not complaining. But I remember him telling me in spiritual direction once. Because I was asking him like. What is this like? Because he was this athlete. He loved sports. And being active. And little by little he couldn't do anything anymore. And he's like well. You know for decades I've been telling people. That there's life after death. And that the thing to come. The life to come is better than the life here. And now it's kind of time to put my money where my mouth is. (laughs) And. I remember just kind of being in awe of that fact, you know, it's like, it's pretty easy for us to say something like, well, you're not alone, you know, God is with you, you know, no matter what your suffering is that Jesus has suffered and joins with you in that suffering and it will draw you closer to him. But for those of us who haven't had to suffer very much yet, um, I don't know, it just feels like, I didn't think I would talk about this on the podcast, but here goes we'll see if I leave it in but my mom is having a pretty serious uh surgery in December the beginning of December after Thanksgiving but before Christmas and um she was trying to put it off for a while and um you know just has to be done and she's you know not freaking out but she's just really nervous you know because you never know what's going to happen and are you going to come out of this okay? And I've I've even noticed that <clears throat> for my part, it's keeping me up at night, you know? Um, so I've never really considered in any real way, like either my mom being seriously compromised in her ability. I mean, she's 61, but she's still very active and smart and intelligent and capable person. But to imagine like some serious harm to her or even losing her. Uh, it's just insane to think about. And everything will probably be fine. It's a relatively simple surgery, but it's still uh scary. But I realized like, man, this is what my people go through all the time, and I'm there for these moments. And I am in a lot of ways the the representative of that thing you're talking about, Juice, that God is always with you, you're never alone and you know, I just went this week to the cemetery and did kind of a special little committal for someone's brother who died, who's uh, like a school mom and really involved. And you can just tell those things mean a lot to people, but being on the other side of it um, would be just very different, you know? Um, and I don't know, like that that whole thing, I it just puts... It puts the test to your belief, like you're talking about going out into the woods in the morning or hunting. Yeah. I've, d- I've done that a couple times and by myself, and it's freaky, dude. You think everything's going to hurt you, and you have no, like once the sun comes out, you see, oh yeah, it's just the same old woods that it always was, but when you're walking through that dark part, it's, uh, it's a scary place, and there's all of these, every single noise sounds like something's going to kill you, and I feel like that is what sort of desolation spiritual desolation or worry or anxiety is and of course the letter the hebrews says perfect love casts out all fear easier said than done my dudes you know yeah so how do you be brave
1: relax
0: very humbling i mean that's a very good question but by the way bisque i mean thanks for sharing that even about yeah. your your mom and this certainly will be um you know praying for her but there's and there's such a difference I guess it's it's when you get asked a question like that how do you be brave that takes like we're we're all three of us are very privileged to have been able to learn the virtue theory that we have been given both like either from our families and then you know in a more formal setting here at the seminary um to answer that question in a very theoretical way but i i just appreciate what you said bisque because like that move is a move from like the theoretical to the everyday life and like this is where the rubber hits the road um and yeah man like none of us are immune to that it doesn't matter like who you are the virtue you've built. Um, but at, at some point, like we're going to be faced with stuff that is, is too big for us to handle on our own. Um, and, and that can look like so many different things for, you know, for, for different people. But it's just this notion, even, even Father Oaks, I remember that last time I saw him before he died, we were in his Von Balthazar book club. And he only came to one meeting that year. And he pretty much at that point, he was so sick. And he pretty much just talked about preparing for death. We didn't even talk about von Balthazar, And, you know, his whole point was like, he was really angry when he got diagnosed with this. And, and he said, you know, it's just that notion. And he said, you know, he kind of took it from reading some Therese. But like, to go to heaven, you have to die. And like, it's just this constant surrender, even when you were talking about Father O'Malley, like, Eventually, we're going to be asked for, you know, every faculty that we think we need to be ourselves. And uh, I don't know how this ties in exactly, but even something that's like really hit me. I don't know when it was. Maybe it was All Souls Day. Um, Is the reading from Ambrose for the second reading in the office on All Souls Day. Mm -hmm. Um, But he talks about death as the remedy for sin. And I just remember that hitting, you know, um, hitting me so hard. But again, that's it's still it's not quite uh, it's not quite getting at it in my own heart of like the rubber is going to hit the road like in our lives as well. And it's it's humbling to think about being a priest and being, you know, and it's a privilege to be that role. It's, it's a privilege to be, in some sense, that role for my nephew, who I think you are right, Mike, honestly. He saw something in me that he, he loves his Uncle Rob, man. And like he wanted to ask me that question
2: um his nickname is a derivative of your of your nickname dude of course that's right you. yeah that's yeah, flesh yeah. of your
0: whole juice box yeah juice box <laughs>
2: same blood <laughs> running know. through those veins yeah same juice running
0: through
1: those
2: veins. juice it's yeah Apple. that's right
0: i don't know i'm rambling but i just feel like that's for me of i i just really resonated when you were you were talking this because it, it's like that's the that's the move that like even in my heart that's been stirring of it it's it stirred me when he asked me this question because of how much I love my nephew and how important that question is to like give him the the right answer.
2: Absolutely. Um, I was thinking about um I've been reading and listening to in the car uh Paralandra, one of C. S. Lewis's space oh, space trilogy. You ever read this? Yeah. Oh I man, think it's Mike. I think so Mike money. has.
1: It's <laughs> freaking amazing yeah. wait is that numero
2: that's yeah it's number two number two oh where he's on gosh. venus dude it's it's pretty good i guess <laughs> well it- for those who don't know rob have you read these books no they're basically um well this one guy goes to these different planets um and this one he's going to venus where uh basically it's an allegory for a planet which is like being born but hasn't known sin yet. Mm. And so this guy's coming from earth and finds himself on this planet where, um, he runs into like where I'm at right now. He's basically run into their equivalent of Eve, the mother of all of her kind, uh, rational animals. And she's talking to just having all these kind of fascinating, it's kind of like screw tape letters where like, how did this guy, uh, imagine things so clearly that, once you read them you're like okay obviously this is true but just from your everyday experience we're so this is goes back to our talk about imagination before like c.s lewis was a person who had a real imagination like and used it to access truths that without an imagination you never could so i hear this guy is talking to this woman and um she's like asking him questions you know like trying to learn from him and instead of saying she's smarter or has more knowledge or wisdom she keeps saying you've made me so much older and she's only like a few days old like he gets there a few days after she's created i think and um she's le- learning from him listening to him and he's asking her like haven't you ever experienced this and this and that and and she's saying like that basically it's basically a meditation on what it would be like if you hadn't known alienation from god yet and she sees everything, all the pleasures around her, all the fruits from the trees and everything as gifts straight from God. And that whatever thing she, whatever thing is in front of her, whatever good is in front of her is what she enjoys. Holy. She doesn't think about some other good she would be rather be having, or she doesn't enjoy the good and then wish she could have more of it or something like that. Like this isn't enough for me. Uh, there's just a complete satisfaction with, um, her life as it unfolds in front of her. And she even like is confused about whether or not she's deciding where she goes and what she does, because even though she is free, she um, doesn't see any way of going except the path that's right, that's set in front of her, which is kind of our thing about the will of God, that God presents his will to us and we can either say yes or no. But the thing that struck me the most was he's like, well, aren't you ever scared? Or aren't you ever like unhappy? Um, and she's saying like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, for instance, if you're in the ocean and there's waves coming up and you feel like you can't make it, like your body's not going to be strong enough, um, to get across to the other side, um, don't you feel like unhappy or, or un- like this is unpleasant feeling. And she's like, well, isn't that part of the delight? And uh, like the the feeling like you can't do this, she means. Mm. And I thought, I mean, there's a lot, lot there. I don't know if I explained it well, but um, that it's like, I guess what Lewis was pointing out was that before original sin, it wasn't like there wasn't what we call unpleasant sensations. It was just that like the knowledge, maybe what he's saying is that the knowledge that, well, this is too much for me, but, Um, that doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen. You, you trust that all things come to a good end, uh, for those who are loved by God, you know, you you have no doubt that God who created you did so out of love and will continue to carry you through in his way, you know, which is better than some, you know, like counterfeit version of the way that we think our lives should be or, or whatever. And so even when it seems like I can't possibly do this on my own, you're like, well, I wasn't doing anything on my own anyway. This was always all God, um, who created me, sustains me in being, and will bring me to my end, however He sees fit. And I trust in that. And I don't know, just applying that to your own life—it's that's a hard thing to do because we feel much more like the, I think the original sin then is this feeling of independence that I somehow am the author of my own life or my own story, okay. where like the saints who. Maybe what Father Oaks was experiencing at the end is like, yeah, I would have rather not had pancreatic cancer. That was his feeling at first was anger, maybe some sadness. But then by the end, I mean, those of us who saw him at the end knew. Oh, yeah. This man is completely surrendered and in no way, like, therefore resigned and just like giving up. But he's surrendered to the fact that this is the way to heaven. And um, I don't know, man, that's that's a. Freaking deep. Uh, that's a deeply human experience. It
0: is, and the only thing I really liked again, the even tying in Lewis there, and it is a very deep human experience. But I think there is one thing I guess I have noticed um, in my life, just to yeah, kind of dive into the question itself a little bit more of just the power that we have. That, you know, in the name of Christ, we can reject lies that come into our lives that tell us we are alone or that we do need to be afraid. That, like, this world is going towards chaos and there isn't um, a good God, a Father who who loves us in, in it all. Um, and I thought of the line – Father Gallagher pointed out this line to me when I was at IPF, I think. But um, from Lord of the Rings, when I think they get to – uh, Rohan and it's King Theoden is Ooh, the king of yeah. Rohan, and he's under, like he's under the power of the, the bad wizard or whatever Wormtail,
1: uh, worm, worm tongue. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it, long story short, how he sets it up is this guy has believed these lies that Worm Tongue or whatever his name is yeah. has been whispering to him, yeah. and it's <clears throat> it's he's like this decrepit old man, and so then they come and Gandalf like. Kind of like breaks that power, breaks that lie over him. And he goes and he like comes back then after that power has been broken over him. And he's back to his kingly stature. And like just um Tolkien's a very good writer in describing like I don't know just the the presence of the king. And he goes outside and but it's very interesting the first words that he speaks, I think, when he goes outside from the castle is that he says it is not as dark as I thought, um, or as it is not as dark as it seemed, and I, I don't know. That just kind of like resonated with me to say. Of that's been a that's been a very powerful line in my life. Like when stuff does start to get overwhelming, or um, or even even like the practicalities of like, yeah, man. When I'm honest with myself, there's thoughts of stuff that are you know gonna have happen in the future that are overwhelming like we're gonna um you know we're gonna have to bury people that we really love and care about and like we're gonna be put in positions that there isn't an answer to um besides just being there with the person um and so to know in all of that that like we still have a father who loves us in it and we aren't alone and that we can surrender everything, you know, in whatever capacity, if it's the day to day stuff or if it's like, you know, we got to see a saintly death in Father Oaks in in that surrender of his of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to give everything and I'm going to trust in this spot. Yeah. Um, but I just I've noticed that, like, it's such an easy lie to, to creep in of, you know, it's um, it's darker than it seems. And I've noticed that, like oftentimes that's around the context of like we are alone yeah. in this
1: yeah and just to i guess to combine both of your thoughts um is what that's one of my favorite things from Paralandrum is to see the eve figure who i can't remember her oh her name no no no. I, well, I can't remember her name but like what you were describing where she just does exactly what's in front of her she lives in the eternal present which is actually what we were kind of laughing at this morning at breakfast but uh when you just allow God, when you totally trust in his, in his providence and his perfect love for you, and you allow him to give immediately in front of you, then you are able to accept everything that he has in front of you perfectly. Like that girl in Perilandrid does. She just, the earth gives her food that she needs and she eats it. And then when she's done, she just moves on to the next thing. And, I relate it to you, Rob, because my experiences of like greatest fear where it feels like, oh man, I really need to like fight through this or I need to deny this lie or just reject it entirely is when I'm looking ahead to the future of things that I can't control, but things that I don't want to happen. And that's, um, I think like Lewis's point um, if I can just draw a point from that is how good it is to live in the present, and to see uh, that that's where the that's where peace comes in because that's where obviously the Lord is. So that desire to live into the present, but to even see like when we do have our own inadequacies, that it does have a call for bravery. You know, her talking about that wave that's too high for them to to overcome. It's really great because. You know, when you look at the bitterness of it, which she talks about, like that's part of the sweetness. And that's something that's really struck me lately is like, yeah, there are things that I'm not going to be able to handle. And there are things that are super terrifying. And even like on the week to week, it's super easy to get overwhelmed by things that are going to come and like stuff that we have to do. But part of the bitterness of it is the realization if you believe that the Lord is there and he's going to take care of you. Then those inadequacies are actually transformed into um, elevations. So, like that part, that place where you're inadequate, the Lord is going to make up for that and he's going to call you to something greater. So, that's where I think the bitterness actually does take the form of sweetness because it's like an elevator. And that's, I mean, like Therese's classic line is, you know, I'm so little and that's why the Lord can take me so high because I'm so inadequate, like, because I know I can't handle this, that's a total invitation for us to open up like father Oaks. He totally submitted to the will of God and look what the Lord did to him. You know? And I think that's the answer to bravery is like, yeah, this, this is too much for me. And therefore it's something that you're going to have to help me with Lord. And in doing so, he transforms it and actually calls us into more. Um, yeah, but it's it's super tough because it's so easy to look ahead and it's yeah. so easy to believe lies. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are, especially yeah. in the chaos of the world. Like, man, we have so many fast-paced things. Like, just talking to my older brother the other day, he's a CPA and his job is insane, dude. He said he has like three computers. He has like four cell phones, Six emails, and so he has to remember all this stuff, and it just sounded overwhelming for me to hear. I'm like, Pat, how are you not a crazy person right now? You know, um, Pat is
2: a crazy person. Pat is a crazy person. (laughs) That's that's also very true. As is your whole family. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, that's. yeah, yeah that's that talk true. about listening or okay. yeah, living in the present, I think. Hey, uh, okay, real
0: quick, we got to we got to go to formation here. So, Dude.
2: let's let's uh you can have the last word. Yeah, disc. get the last word. Yeah, far. you got it. Oh man, you totally broke my train of thought. What was it? <laughs> oh, yeah, just the uh living in the present thing about fear. Yeah, maybe we've mentioned this before, but one of my favorite lines from the autobiography of St. Ignatius is when he's, you know, setting along this path of of penance and living for God. And when he's, you know, starts his whole spiritual exercises and, and the Jesuits and all that stuff the he's in a time of desolation and darkness. And he, he kind of hears this voice from within say, it's just going to be like this for the rest of your life. If you continue on this path, it's just going to be bitterness and sorrow. And, um, he hears it as the devil and he laughs it off and he tells him you can't promise me another hour of life and you pretend you can promise me a lifetime of sorrow and immediately you know this rejection causes the evil spirit to lose its power over him and he the consolation returns you know of doing God's will and living in that peace and I think that that is really true what they said at IPF that the devil takes ownership of your past and your future but God lives in the present moment um the devil will say, Oh, look at your past, you'll never really change. You're this bad person, you've done these things and lived that way. And then in the future he says, Oh, it's just gonna be sorrow or you're gonna, you know, have to bury your parents and all this bad stuff's gonna happen. Can you deal with it? And God's like, No, be be here with me right now, right here. This is where I live and everything's gonna be fine.